Hey everybody, Dave Therrien here. New Hope Radio, the Hope Club podcast as well. That's a good place to be. You know what's so good about the podcast? You can catch it anytime. God's Word on Demand. Driving to work, driving home, running errands, relaxing, having lunch, whatever. Take the opportunity. Get God's Word on a regular basis. It'll really make a difference. Well, the Christmas season is upon us, isn't it? And, uh, you know, during this Christmas season, there are some questions to ponder. Are you a ponderer? Do you ever ponder? Think about things? I got a few things for you to think about today, should you decide to. Here's the first one. What will you do with the good news of Christmas? What will you do with it? I mean, okay, do you see Christmas as good news? That's the question. I shut something off there. Okay. If you see Christmas as good news, then I think it's good to share it. That's what you do. Secondly, what will you do with the gifts that God has given you? Now, when I say gifts, I mean, hey, spiritual gifts, natural gifts, whatever. Whatever God gives us, you know what it's for? To help others. Did you know that? It's to help others. God gives us things that we would be helpful to other people. Then, thirdly, ponder this one. What will you do with people during the Christmas season? What will you do with them? I got a recommendation. Be kind. Be kind to them. You know, if there's one thing people need today, it's kindness. They need to be shown kindness. Everybody's got stuff going on. A lot of people have a crisis. A lot of people have a um, questionable future, even a questionable present. And what they need is a little bit of kindness during the Christmas season. And the meaning of Christmas, the purpose of Christmas, can wrapped up in one scripture, John 3, 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That's why Christ came. You say, saved? Saved from what? Saved from judgment. Saved from condemnation. Because when we're born, we're born with a sin nature, alienated from the life of God. And Jesus Christ came and died, and when you believe on him, that alienation is removed, and you're brought into relationship with God. Boom, there it is. It's that simple. Through Christ, you're brought back into a relationship with God. So today's question, then, that I want you to ponder, what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with him? You know, I know the world is kind of pushing him out. I was thinking today, you don't hear the word Christmas anymore. I haven't heard it yet in a commercial. Haven't seen it in a store. It's always holiday. Holiday shopping. Holiday sale. Holiday meeting. But there's nothing pointing to Christmas. You know why? Because Christ is in Christmas. And people would be very happy 
to have a Christmas without Christ. And how do you do that? You call it a holiday. But let me ask you, what makes it a holiday? Christ. (laughs) If you take away Christ, it's not a holiday anymore. It's just another day. That's how whacked out the world is these days. So back to the question, what will you do with Jesus? To help you to answer the question, what will you do with Jesus? I'm going to note four things about him. Okay, just four. Number one, his birth. Number two, his life. Number three, his death. And then, number four, his reign. Oh yeah, you don't want to leave that out. Okay, so first of all, let's take a look at his birth. Because when we understand his birth, his life, his death, and his reign, then we can answer the question, what will I do with Jesus? Okay? Okay, his birth. 2,000 years ago, God entered the human race through the birth of a baby. This baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a young teenage virgin girl. The Bible tells us in Matthew 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. And by the way, you say, well, why are you using the Bible? Because the Bible is God-inspired, that's why. Every once in a while, we hear somebody say, oh, you know, I don't believe the Bible. Men wrote it. Duh. A man wrote a prescription for your medicine, too. Do you take that? (laughs) Birds don't write. Monkeys don't write. Dogs don't write. People write. So if God was going to get a message to people... He had to use people to write the message. So that's why men wrote the Bible. So let's get back to what Matthew wrote. The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, that means they were engaged, before they came together, oh, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now, why this? Why was Jesus born of a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit? Sounds kind of wild, doesn't it? Well, so he would be born without sin. By being born without sin, he was qualified to be Redeemer, to make the atonement for our sins. And then added to that, he never committed a sin himself, you know that? See, you say, well, where does the sin nature come from? The sin nature comes from the mother and the father coming together. And that sin nature is created. And when a human mother and a human father come together and create a baby, that baby has a sin nature. So for Jesus to be born without a sin nature, he had to have a divine father, the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary, and a human mother to bear him. So this is why Jesus was born without sin, but even more than that, listen to this. He never had a sin in thought, in word, or in deed. Now, that's another story, isn't it? He never thought anything sinful. He never said anything sinful. He never did anything sinful. Oh, and by the way, this was as a human, as one of us. I say, well, he didn't have a sin nature, that's why. But wait a minute, Adam didn't have a sin nature either. And he sinned. He rebelled against God. Adam and Eve, they didn't have sin natures, but they used their free will in the wrong way. Jesus had a free will, but he never sinned. 
So he understood, I am here to be a redeemer. I've got to keep myself pure. I got to keep myself without spot, without blemish, so I can be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. Now, when this plan came, it really perplexed Joseph. Joseph is like, wait a minute. The girl I'm going to marry, I'm not even married yet. She's already pregnant. Oh, what's going on here? I'm sure Joseph was very confused. So you know what happened? An angel appeared to him in a dream. said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The angel is saying to Joseph, it's okay, Joseph. There's nothing wrong here. Mary didn't go out on you. God is in this. Jesus is here to have a mission. He's on a mission. And he said, listen, she'll bear a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. You're not going to call his name Joseph. You know, in those days, you named your firstborn male after the dad. But the angel said, we're going to change it up. We're going to call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And you know the great thing about Joseph? He said, okay. He went along with it. Mary and Joseph were the perfect couple to bring the Savior into the world because they believed in the plan of God. They cooperated with the plan of God. They did everything they could to bring this to pass. Can you imagine if they didn't? Oh, man, we'd be in deep trouble. There'd be no Redeemer. But Joseph and Mary, they had a vision of God, and they let that, oh, I like this part, motivate their life. Let me ask you, are you motivated in life by a vision of God? Are you inspired in your life by a vision of God? What is it that motivates you? Money? Popularity? Things? Having everything go your way? Or is there something in your heart that says, no, God is my reason for living. I have such a relationship with Him that it makes living worthwhile. And it makes going through the tough stuff worthwhile because I know He loves me. And I'm going to love Him right back. That's a great inspiration and a great motivation for living. Okay, that's His birth. Now, His life. You know what Luke recorded in Luke 2, verse 52? That Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Now, Jesus grew up like any other little Jewish boy, right? He had a regular upbringing. But at 12 years old, he knew that he must be about his father's business. Remember when the family left Jerusalem after the Passover, they're heading home in a caravan. And after a few days, the parents are thinking, where's Jesus? He wasn't with them. They figured he was with relatives. But eventually they said, no, he's not. They went all the way back to Jerusalem, and they found him in the temple, reasoning with the religious leaders. What? At 12 years old? Are you kidding me? Nope. And when the parents came to him, they said, son, oh, you had us so worried, we didn't know where you were. And he said, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? Wow. At 12 years old, Jesus knew who he was and where he was going. 
At 25, I didn't know who I was and where I was going. <laughs> Sometimes I still doubt it. But he had it at 12. I'm like, oh, man. You know, if I knew it at 12, my life would have had a, let loss, a, lot, a, less, a lot less regret, that's for sure. Less mistakes. But everything works out for the good, for those who love God, right? So I regret, well, I, re- I regret my mistakes, but I learned from them as well. So at 12 years old, he knew his mission. Then at 30 years old, he was baptized. He began his ministry telling people about the kingdom of God. What a good message. The kingdom of God is near. And by the way, when he said the kingdom of God is near, you know what he was talking about? Himself. He was a representative of the kingdom of God. And then he chose 12 men that he would use to change the world. Twelve men? You would think he'd need a thousand. Nope. Twelve, and one dropped out. And he picked up another one, Paul the Apostle. And it's incredible. It shows you the power of the Word of God. It doesn't take an army of people. It takes quality people that have faith. Oh, faith can move mountains. It sure can. And when Jesus spoke, oh, you can't, he spoke words of wisdom like no one ever heard. Matter of fact, in Matthew 13, it says that he came to his hometown and began teaching them in their synagogue so that they were astonished. And they said, where did this man get this wisdom? And these miraculous powers. I mean, he came to his hometown. People were familiar with Jesus. And when they heard him speak, they were amazed. Like, wow, we know Jesus. We saw him grow up here. How did he get this wisdom? Where did he get these powers? People asked him if he was the long-awaited Messiah. Are you the one? Are you the one, Jesus, we've been waiting for? And he answered in Luke 7. And he said to them, Go and report to John what you've seen and heard, that the blind receive sight. Oh, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead, they're raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Isn't it interesting how Jesus included preaching the gospel to the poor with all of those miraculous healings? And you know why? Because it's that important. It's important that people hear the gospel. It gives those that are poor hope, and it gives those that are rich something to reconsider. Because you can't depend on your riches to give you hope. Whatever can be taken from you in a moment shouldn't be the basis of your hope. Because anything can go. Your health can be gone. Your riches can be gone. Look at that guy that bankrupt his digital currency business. Look at that guy. People had millions of dollars invested. Gone. He spent it on himself. Gone. Anything can disappear in a moment. And if you're putting your hope in that, that's not a good investment. But when you put your hope in the gospel, that can't be taken away. The word of God abides forever. And the Word of God will see you through every situation in life. It won't change the situation, but it'll change you. 
And Jesus said something startling during his ministry. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Hmm. To take offense means to stumble or to get it wrong. In other words, he's saying, happy is the one who gets it right. Happy is the one who understands me. Happy is the one who knows what's going on here. And you know, even in the world today, most people, they're not happy with Jesus. You know that? They're not. They're bothered by the name Jesus. I'm like, what is wrong with you? What is your problemo? The Lord Jesus came to do what? Die for the sins of the world, that we can be restored back to God. Why does anybody have a problem with that? There are many people that are offended, but Jesus said, blessed is the one that's not offended. Blessed, you know what it means? To have inner joy. And all of you that know who Christ is and you understand him, you have an inner joy dwelling in your heart. You do. And even when the storms of life are beating against you, you can still have that. And you do. You have that inner joy in your heart. You know why? Because you know Christ. Because you understand. That's a supernatural event that we can't even explain. It's a miracle that we can have joy in the midst of a tough situation. And it comes from knowing Christ. So we've got his birth. We've got got his life to ponder. Now, I want you to ponder his death. Jesus lived, taught, healed for three years. And then the climax of his mission, he was crucified on a cross by the Romans at the instigation, what, of his own people. Oh, it's true. He came unto his own, and his own knew him not. You know, the Jews had the Old Testament scriptures that pointed to Christ, and when he came, they missed him. They missed him. And even today, modern Jews, they missed the fact that he came. They're still waiting, but he already came. But it's okay because, you see, this is why he came to die. He came to be crucified. That was his mission. As a matter of fact, John was the only disciple at the cross. And when he wrote his letter, he said in 1 John 4, We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. John saw it. John is a witness. We know it. John's in heaven today because he saw Christ as more than a teacher, as more than a miracle worker. He saw him as a savior because that's what he is. He's a savior. And you know what? There was another guy at the crucifixion, a Gentile, a Roman, a guy that was part of crucifying Christ. You know that? a Roman officer, and he's looking up at Jesus on the cross. And you know what he's doing? Pondering. Yeah, he's doing what we're saying, pondering. He's looking at this man on the cross, and he sees him forgive a thief on his side. And he sees him ask God for forgiveness for those that are tormenting him. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And it says in Mark 15, when the centurion, that's that Roman soldier, an officer, when the centurion, 
who was standing right in front of him, saw the way he breathed his last. He said, surely this man was the son of God. You think that guy's in heaven today? I'd say so. He knew even the last breath of Jesus revealed that he was the son of God. And that Roman, he was a ponderer. He was thinking. See, you know what the Christian life is? It's a thinking life. And people that don't consider Christ is because they just don't want to think. They don't want to think. You got to think sometimes. You got to use your head. You got to think your way through life. You know, you got to think your way through your vocation, right? You got to think your way if you want to be a good parent. You got to think your way if you want to be a good citizen. You got to think your way if you want to have eternal life. Think about Jesus. Don't go into la-la land, your head in the clouds. Think. Use your head. And that's what this centurion do. He said, he observed and he looked. Oh, this is truly the Son of God. And then the last thing to ponder, his reign, the reign of Christ. You know, Isaiah prophesied about three aspects of the life of Christ. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, he said, For a child will be born to us. Now that's Christmas. The baby Jesus, born on Christmas. Then he said, A son will be given to us. That's Easter. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. The son is Easter. He died and he rose from the grave, the son of God. And the government will rest upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of his father David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. That's what waits for us. That's the future reign of Jesus Christ. The future reign. Okay? Now, it waits for us, but wait. Not all of us. The future reign and righteousness of Christ is not for everybody. It's for those who understand. That's what it's for. It's for those who are like the centurion, where he said, Oh, truly, this was the Son of God. Christ will reign, but not over all people. He will reign over all people that pondered him and acknowledged him and accepted him as their Lord and Savior. And all those that don't, Christ will not reign over them, but they will find an eternity alienated from the presence of God forever. And Jesus didn't want that. That's why he came. He died for the sins of the world. So remember, happy is the one who gets it. So here's the question then. What will you do with Jesus? It's Christmas. And the world is trying to blind you and turn you away from that nativity. 
No, look over here. There's a sale. Look over there. Two for one. Look over here. Buy one. Get the second one half price. Doing everything you can to distract people from, no, look over there. It's the Savior. It's God's gift to you. What will you do with Jesus? That's the question. And that's the only question and how we answer it that will determine our eternity. That's it. Not our goodness, not our works, not how we behave. Nope. It's what will we do with Jesus Christ. That determines one of two outcomes in eternity future. And my hope and prayer would be that you'd be like that Roman centurion and acknowledge, oh, he's the son of God. Yes, he's the savior that came into the world and he died for me. That's why Christmas services are so incredible in Christian serve, in Christian churches. Because Christian churches are going to preach the gospel and why Christ came. Get to church on Christmas. If you have a church that's having a service, get there. Support it. Be part of it. If not, we have two. Here at New Hope on Route 6 in Swansea, Mass. Christmas Eve, 7 p.m. And Christmas morning at 10 a.m. We have two because we know people have busy schedules and we try to make opportunities for people to come and worship Christ and acknowledge the birth of the Savior. And by the way, invite somebody. Oh, invite a non-Christian. That's the thing to do. Invite someone that hasn't yet made the decision because they're going to hear something that will help them to choose Christ. It's Christmas. What better way to celebrate Christmas than to give someone you care about the gift of Jesus by inviting them to church. By the way, we'll be streaming our services, newhopecc.tv, Christmas Eve, 7 p.m., Christmas morning, 10 a.m., because we have some great people here that they work very diligently to get the message out. And they'll be working on Christmas, singing, praising, videoing, sounding, you name it, everything that's required to get the message out. Incredible people. What will you do with Jesus this Christmas? Embrace Him, adore Him, and share Him. It's that important. By the way, you can join the Hope Club as well. New Hope CC. No, no. New Hope Radio. Live. It's all there. Listen, you have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.